Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneur's podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. We've got that fan, awesome friend I've come to know in recent years, and a comedian in his professional life. And we're going to have a conversation today with that to kind of tell us a little bit about you know, where he's been, uh, what brought him here, and most importantly, about the importance of connection, being able to connect to the people that, you know, your peers, your friends, and even those who follow what you do and support your work and are evangelists and ambassadors of your brand. So with that said, Dat, welcome to our show, man. Thank you. It's good to be connected. Awesome. See, there goes that word again. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway uh, Dad, I'm, I'm sure you haven't seen any of the episodes yet. We're brand stinking new, but Phil knows this. Um, I can't quite start a shut-up show without first giving a long introduction about the people that we bring on. And you know the story. Phil's heard a little bit about it, but this is super cool. You and I actually met through a mutual friend who currently rests in peace. He's no longer with us, but we we both know a person named Eugene who uh, hails from the Seattle area. And the funny thing about this is, you know, many, many years ago when I first met Eugene, I was still dating a friend of his at the time, and that's how I, I came to know Eugene. And uh, when I found out that uh, Eugene had passed away a couple of years ago while he was on a personal journey uh, trip to India, it kind of struck me by surprise because the first thing I thought of was, wow, that guy's so super connected. He's so inspirational, super smart. You know, he jumped out of his corporate outfit to go and do his thing, and now he's speaking and inspiring people everywhere. It broke my heart. It broke my heart to hear that story. And so I was on his Facebook page a couple of years back when uh, it first happened and his sister had left beautiful images of him, and she said, this is a space that we've created to honor Eugene and then to also bring together his family and friends and feel free to come and connect here. And I saw a post on there by Dat Fan. And I'm like, I know that guy. I used to watch that guy on TV many, many years ago when he first won Last Comic Standing. And that's super cool. How the hell did Eugene know Dat? And I just kind of like put that in my back pocket, Dat. But then I, would, I think it was only about a year later, if even, my sister said, Bernie, let's go to Vegas. I need a trip. Let's get away for the weekend. So we go to Vegas, and while I'm there, I'm like, I swear I thought Dad, you know, has like a tour here or something. I think he has a show in Vegas. Sure enough, you actually happened to be in Vegas at the very time that my sister and I went on our trip to Vegas. And we bought tickets, came to your show, and after the show, I bought a DVD from you. And I said, hey, dude, by the way, I don't think you know this, but we're friends with Eugene. And the rest is history. You and I have been friends since. Yeah. So with that long introduction, you know, again, thanks for being on the show. I always love chatting with you every time I get to see you. But, <laughs> yeah. So what do you Likewise. think? I mean, the whole, yeah, what do you think about that? Well, I ran into Eugene just completely by random because I was doing a show up in Seattle at UW. 
and he was attending there at the time. And uh, I got to find this old photo, but there's an old photo of him with a group of students in on my CD that I recorded at that area. I he ended up going down to Orange County, and then later on I met up with him again um, at the Irvine Improv, and then uh, then you know I went through the story that you're talking about with the whole India thing. And uh, I felt pretty bad because I, I, I was, he called me at some point and he said, hey, listen, um, I, I feel a little lost right now. I want to try to figure some things out. And before that, he was into like motivational speaking and all that. You know that. Yeah. Um, and then he called me, you know, he, he, and he said, uh, I'm thinking about going to India. What do you think? And I'm like, dude, I, I can't make that decision for you, bro. Like you're going to have to. You know, on one hand, if you don't go, you're going to sit in some office someday, and then, you know, you could you could die in a car accident and, and always wonder, what if? What if I would have gone to India? You know, life is short. I go, but if you go to India, something could happen to you out there. I mean, you're going to have to follow your heart. So he chose to go to India, and then wow. he died. So uh, And, and, the, and by the way, that's yeah. the first time I've ever heard that. That's the first time I've ever heard you, you tell me that, and I did not know that. That is amazing. Wow. Yeah, I feel bad. I'm glad I didn't go like, dude, you should go to India. Go. That's You know what I mean? Like, I was like, you're going to have to make your own decision, man. Like, because that's a very personal decision. You can't just call a friend and go, what should I do? You know? Right. But he did. I, I, I mean, he really looked up to me, and I really respect and appreciate that. And But the thing that really made me feel bad is he called me and left a voicemail when he was at the LAX airport about to fly out to India and I wasn't awake yet, so he left me a voicemail um, just saying, you know, goodbye and thanks for my advice and this and that. And, and then that was the last I heard of him was that voicemail. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know. I didn't, <laughs> didn't mean to make this such a sad. Yeah. Uh, no, no, thanks for no. Your show. <laughs> no, you know what, though? Honestly, Dad, I, there, there's so many different ways you could take this, but, but, but here's exactly why why I thought this was such an intriguing story because you and I honestly and and I I'm thanking Eugene right now as as I sit here and talk to you you and I might not have met I might not have met other people through his Facebook page you right, might not have right. met a bunch of other people True. so what I what I think about this the beauty in this is is you know and you probably know Eugene a little bit better than I I did I I was you know I just met him a couple times and and the thing I'm thinking of when, when I think of Eugene, I think that he was a connector. I'll be very honest with you. I saw right. Eugene as a connector. So if he died connecting people, oh, my God, he left a legacy, man. He left a legacy. You know, Eugene, he was very selfless, you know, like uh, mm-hmm. he was selfless in the sense that when I was at the Irvine Improv um, as my friend and I, as a new friend, he was expediting the line of my fans coming up to me. He was promoting the show. He was like, he was wearing a suit. I don't know if you know this, but he was like often walk around. Yeah, wearing that yeah. Suit. He always wears a suit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's a, it's, you got like this Vietnamese Tony Robbins, like kind of, you know, kind of. Hey, you want to meet that fan here? I'll take a photo of you guys. And he's just like, he didn't ask for any money. He didn't ask for anything. He was like this Tony Robbins Vietnamese guy, like just kind of helping my fans get to me. Like you said, connecting. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and, and, his, and his family yeah. to this day, when I go to Seattle, they still come watch my show. Yeah. So I still yeah. see his sisters, and I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, I don't I don't know how to take that story. You know, it, it's been one that's kind yeah. of, you know, I don't know what to translate out of it. It's, it's And it happened, you know, I don't know, was it four years ago? 
three, yeah, three years ago? If, if even, if even, yeah, I think it was about three years ago. But here, right. here's where I think we take it. Here's where I think we take it because here, here's the beauty that I saw in it. Again, I don't think you and I would be having this conversation right now if it, was, it wasn't for Eugene. You know, I think you and I have kind of always had maybe similar circles. You know, I, I've known of you for a long time, and I'm, I'm sure I know somebody who knows somebody who knows you because, of course, I'm Hmong and you're Vietnamese, so somehow we're connected. You know, that's just the way, you know, South Asian, East Asian works. <laughs> it's but, it's uh, a Hmong connection. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And by the way, you made, you made this hilarious joke that made everybody laugh at your show because you said something like, uh, uh, we're among friends because I was in your audience and I remember that. I was like, yes, you made a Hmong joke, but nobody would probably yes. get it because they have no idea what Hmong means. <laughs> I, 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 go, I, go, I go, hey, Bernadette, I didn't realize there were so many Hmong among us. <laughs> yes, that's what you <laughs> said. Um, but here's where I think we can take it. I honestly believe the silver lining is the connection piece. The, the right. assistant happened and that wouldn't have happened and we wouldn't have this and that wouldn't have that, right? So, can you can you take us there? And here's how I'm going to have you take it there. Um, I've seen you, you know, doing stand-up. I, I own your DVD. I, I've watched your success over the years. And I know it's a freaking hard job, okay, to be a, a comedian. It is damn hard, and I give you credit for it, seriously. So take us through that. You, as a comedian, you have to connect to people, man. You've got to keep people engaged, especially drunk people. You have to keep them engaged. You have to keep them amused. You have to keep them laughing. So maybe kind of talk to us about how connection plays a big part in not only connecting with people offline and, you know, not when you're on the stage, right. but even more importantly. So how do you hey. make that connection? In, yeah. You know, well, I mean, first of all, I just wanted I wanted to reflect that you are right, like because you know we were friends through Facebook through Eugene, and then you you know let me know that you're going to be in Vegas, and you're a friend of you. Next, thing you know, I found out you're going to be there. I didn't even know. I thought you lived in Vegas, and then I had you come to my show, and then we met each other. So basically, I do agree with you that had it wasn't had it not been for Eugene, you and I would not be talking right now. We probably wouldn't even know each other. You know what I mean? Or maybe not at this point. Or maybe not. Maybe I the connection universe is is so true that. We could have met each other inevitably through Eugene, whether he's alive or not with us anymore. You know, I, so um, mm-hmm. and then uh, as far I feel bad because I feel like I, we don't have Phil participating enough in this. Uh, <laughs> oh, believe me, so I feel Phil that I will give him some time to ask you something. Oh yeah, this. no, no, absolutely. <laughs> I I think telling a story that is important because it is about those connections, and it's really about right. sometimes those hidden connections, like you said that we don't even realize are there. And sometimes they're delayed and sometimes they're enhanced, but they're all about people. So please keep going. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, well to answer to answer Bernadette's question about the audience, um, I've done several thousand shows by now in my lifetime, and I relate, believe it or not, a live audience to the same as going on a date. Um, the audience itself is a collective entity. of It's an entity of the collective group, if that makes any sense. So if you have some drunk people in the audience or you have some hostile people in the audience or if you have, you know, some nice people or quiet people or tired people, if you form all that conglomerate into one entity, that that's very similar to, like, basically going on a date, except for you're, you're on stage for about, you know, a half hour to an hour in front of this entity, and it's just like sitting down and having a date with someone. I hope that makes sense, what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> okay, and which one's the, worse? The date feedback or... An audience feedback. Which one hurts you more? <laughs> uh, well, you could actually um, you can get a disease from a date. 
<laughs> That's a little different show, Dad. We're going to have to keep this uh, PG-13. You're on the Shut Up show, yeah. Yeah. But we, but we do, in, we do encourage f bombs, though. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, if they but yeah, naturally. No, it's like you guys have been a great audience, but you just gave me the clap, and I'm not talking about a round of applause. You actually gave me a scenario to see. So thank you very much, audience, on that date. But uh, <laughs> no, no. But I mean, it, you know, sometimes dates go south. And the same thing with an audience. Sometimes, or sometimes the date is quiet and silent. It's very awkward, and the audience can be very awkward as well. Or sometimes things go really well. Um, I mean, I wouldn't get laid with the entire audience. That would be kind of weird. But, uh, you know, it's, but it's, very, wow. it's very intimate, you know. I know this is getting very, uh, becoming a very awkward uh, example here. These yeah. will not and be then, the videos shown in the dead man video, ladies yeah, yeah. and I'm like, what What should I use for the B-roll in this part? <laughs> right. I know. I was like, thank you very much. You guys have been a great crowd. You all have HIV now. Good night. <laughs> I, get scared when, I get scared when there's a pause because I don't know if that joke, if I took it too far. So, uh, but, yeah. So that's, but anyway, it's connection, whether it's with a date or with an audience or what you know. And it's something that's a heckler. That's just like your date gets drunk and starts saying things they shouldn't be saying. And uh, then you've got to try to deal with it somehow. So, Does that ever happen with guests on our show, Bernie? Do they ever get drunk and we have to keep them in line? I mean, this might be the first one, huh? Oh, on our <laughs> show? On this, yeah. on this episode, I know. I know. Just it's, kind kidding. Of it's kind of funny that Dat brought up the heckling because I was a heckler in his Vegas show. <laughs> she was, dude, you're a heckler no, in no, my, not the my Vegas, LA the, show. The, the LA show, I'm sorry, the LA show. Yeah. And then some of the staff are like, they're like, hey, is that your friend? I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. Um, yeah, no, but you know what? I mean, out of all seriousness, though, I mean, you're, you're hilarious, but, but that totally Thank makes you. sense. It really does. I mean, you, you have to, and, and I think you know this, Dad, and I know Phil knows this, being, being a, you know, Phil is a professional speaker, as, as am I, and we also – coach people so we always have to find something that is relatable or that resonates with the people that we're talking to whether we're talking to one person or whether we're talking to an audience of 10,000 right you have to be able to pull out that story um, and make it resonate with them and so I I think what you're basically saying here is I don't care if I'm uh, talking to a girl on a date or I'm talking to a large auditorium, I still have to be able to pull out of each of these different people what it is that they want from me and pay attention to those nonverbal cues to see if they're with me, right? So right. so um, I, I don't want to hog the, the show much more. Phil, I know you've got a ton of awesome questions, so feel free to chime in here because I, I think we're sure. you know, going something really, really good with this. Yeah, absolutely. So you talked about connecting with the audience, which obviously that's that's most important because you have to connect with your customers, but let's talk about kind of the lonely world of stand-up, Dad. I mean, I'm sure that you found some way to get connected while you're on the road, even though you feel completely alone. And I'm just curious, is there like a league of extraordinary comedians that you hang out with, or how how do you kind of get recharged when you're not performing? Do you, I mean, how do you, you know, how how do you dig deep? Is it personal connections? Is it you know, a professional group, what is it when you're feeling alone and how do you get recharged and get reconnected? Um, well, when I do comedy, I'm not really alone because I'm in front of large groups of people. So when, I, when, I'm, when I'm alone, I do the complete opposite. 
I stay as far away from comedy as humanly possible when I'm not doing comedy. And as a matter of fact, I don't hang around with comics that often, and I especially don't hang around with too many amateur comics because amateur comics try to get validation and they constantly try to crack jokes. So, like, can you imagine on my time off when I'm trying to get away from comedy and I have some dude like, hey, man, like, okay, I got three jokes for you. I, I want You tell me if it's funny or not. I'm like, dude, what? I'm trying to watch Prometheus right now, man. Like, I'm trying to... You know what I mean? I, I probably sound like not a very nice guy right now, but what, my, my point is, is it's, it's like it's like martial arts. You got to have a balance. You, you can't be throwing kicks and punches like nonstop, twenty four hours a day. You'll be out. You'll lose your mind. You know. And, and on my time off, like I, I don't usually watch sitcoms on my time off. I, I, I actually I watch. I like ghost movies. I watch a lot of sci fi. I watch drama. Um, I cry as much as I can on my time off to recharge. All my time off, comedy is poison for me. I, I can't constantly do comedy. That's just it. Just doesn't work that way. All my time off, I do Krav Maga, martial arts. I do um, kung fu, Northern Shaolin, and Green Dragon kung fu. I mean, it's that's what I do. I do the opposite. And then you know, when I go on the road and I do comedy, it feels nice again because I haven't done it for a while, so I'm able to do something that I haven't done for a, a week or so. You know what I mean? Does that answer your question? Bill? Absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think, you know, people are different, right? I mean, like for me, I know that I do plug into my, you know, my profession as when I'm, you know, when I'm traveling as, as much as I can, but certainly doing the opposite is another great strategy for staying engaged and for n- avoiding burnout, right? Because if yes. all you did was watch other comedians, maybe perhaps you'd feel that you weren't as funny as you are and it would actually prohibit you from doing your work as well as you do. That's true. And as a matter of fact, on my time off, I usually hang around with musicians. I hang out around with um, some some type of actors. Not all actors. Uh, and there are comics I hang around with. It's comics that don't constantly try to crack jokes. I mean, if a joke comes up naturally just through talking, that's one thing. But if they're just constantly, you know, two Jews walk into a bar and I'm like, oh, dude, just why? We're having spaghetti right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's uh, a... <laughs> I don't know. It's, you know what it is? To me, to me, comedy is as intimate as sex, where you actually get enjoyment out of it, enjoyment out of laughter, enjoyment out of telling jokes. And if you constantly have sex nonstop, if you constantly tell jokes, it's rape. You're constantly raping someone. And it, it, takes, away from the, it takes away from the enjoyment. So now we've covered AIDS. We've covered rape. <laughs> we've covered venereal disease. Uh, we've covered death, death of a friend, and uh, who I love dearly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know what I'm saying though? It's it's just uh, just nonstop jokes. Is but it's bananas. Who does that? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about yeah. taxes, Dad. I'm wondering how much taxes do you pay every year? Because we've really covered everything else. Perhaps you know threesomes. You got any yeah. other good? Any right. other good tips that we could that could really yeah. help take the show to another level? That's yeah, the, the theme of the show. The theme of the show is Dad Fan does martial arts. Dad Fan doesn't like comedians, and Dad Fan's a dick. That's the yeah. uh, that's Actually, the theme of the Dad show. Dad Fan right is Chuck Norris. And Chuck <laughs> Norris is a number one by me. So I've got that down. But uh, yeah, well, no, but let me tell you this: when I'm in Krav Maga and some guy's kneeing me in the stomach. Um, several times, I go. You know what? This is great because at least I'm sweating and I'm not. I'm not hearing a joke right now from this guy. Like he's actually doing something that's not very funny, which is kicking me in the stomach. You which know what I mean? It's really hilarious to us. You getting kicked in the stomach? I'll just yeah. Kidding, kidding. So, <laughs> hey, hey, that's that. a party trick. 
That's a party trick. Nothing brings <laughs> brings a party up more upbeat than getting need in the stomach. You know what I mean? Except for getting need in the gnats. That's yeah. probably the well, best yeah. one, I think. If we can <laughs> do that, that's too. Party yeah, that's yeah that party ends about. the party. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so, but, yeah, but uh, your your points are, are salient. Obviously, we're we're making light of some serious stuff here, but it's important that, that we do take the time to recharge and reconnect with ourselves. And I think that is a really, really great point, Dad, is that whatever it is that we're doing, we need to make sure that we find a way to reconnect with our own source in whatever way or method or shape that takes. Because if we don't, we're going to get burnt out. I think that's that's a really that's strong true. lesson. Thank you. I, yeah. I agree. I mean, I was laughing my ass off, as you guys can hear. I had to mute myself. I'm sorry. I didn't want to, like, you know, interrupt or anything. But, but I mean, that, seriously, you are so on point. I mean, I know we, we are making light of all these things, but it, it, it it's exactly what you said. Everything that you said, it, we, I, I'm sure we can find things from this uh, to put on the blog post, which I didn't tell you that. We, we end up putting a blog post up to accompany all of the different episodes that we do. So this one oh, will be cool. quite interesting for me to do. <laughs> I, I'm really going to have well, fun with this one. <laughs> my fans would love to hear this, so if you guys could send my, my manager the link, we could actually blast it throughout all my Facebooks. Yeah, well, that it's would be fun. awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. funny you say that because I, I usually try to have Phil close up the show. Um, Phil, you always ask that one question. You always ask everybody else, followed by the where can we find that. So I'm going to let you do that to close up the next couple of minutes then. Oh, yeah. So I've got, yeah. So my, my one question, I guess, is, you know, what else? What really matters to, to Dad? I mean, what's the, what scares the hell out of you, man? Because being a, I, and maybe I'm wrong here, but often um, what scares us is also what excites us. So is there something that really kind of uh, that, that scary, keeps you up at night, that makes you worry about your business or yourself or who you are? Is there anything like that that you'd like to share? Um, if I were to answer that question right now, which I totally would, um, and I have no problem answering it, it's going to be a totally depressing answer. Are you sure you want me to answer that question? Absolutely. What scares me? Yeah, absolutely, because then the, the follow-up to that is we'd love to hear how you overcome that. Because oh, okay. um, certainly it's what, not paralyzing you, right? I mean, it isn't, it isn't keeping you from doing what you're doing, and I think that is important. No, what, what scares me is what scares all of us. Um, not to get too political, but the economy scares the hell out of me. It's, uh, I, I think we live in the darkest of times, um, no matter what president we have. I think we are in a huge economic problem right now. I, I feel like, you know when you're a kid and then you, you, you don't do your homework and you have that feeling of trouble the next day when you come to class because you know you didn't do your homework? I feel like now we are still doing our homework, maybe double homework, and we're still in financial trouble. You know, um, so many people out of jobs. It, it's just, you know, people working twice as much now to try to cover their bills or just to cover. Having children is a luxury now. You know what I mean? It's not part of society yeah. anymore. And it's just, it, that just scares the hell out of me every night. And, and um, just to know just to know that our whole economic system is breaking down and we don't know if we have a solution for it. I don't want to cause mass panic or anything like that. I just, it's it's not a very comforting feeling to me. And I've never had that feeling in my life from a kid to being an adult until probably within the last, since, was it 2000, 2009 is when things got really nasty. You know what I mean? 2008. Yep. Yeah. 
So, you know, people out of their homes, you know, homeless families, very depressing. I'm trying not to get depressing, but, but you ask me what scares me, and that scares me more. That actually scares me more than me walking down the street and some guy's about to assault me. You know what I mean? Wow. Because if some guy yeah. assaults you and you make it through and the bruises will heal, the, you know, the cuts will heal, but thinking about the future, like, you know, people who can't afford to have children or if they do, they, don't, they, they have to move back in with their parents. Their parents don't have Social Security. I mean, oh, that's, that's really, really frightening to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So how, so that's a big fear, man, and that's something that's completely out of your control for so many ways. How do you, how do you keep from letting your fear paralyze you? How do you keep from, uh, from just letting it consume you? Uh, I actually, I don't know if I, I mentioned, I've mentioned this before, but I, I, I was homeless when I grew up, and I was homeless twice in my life. Once as an adult and once as a child. I was homeless right before last comic standing, which is in 2002. And I, my mom, if anything, she's taught, she's taught me how to survive. I'm a survivor. And I, every day, I, I think of a new way to survive, you know. And just like most Americans, I find a way to cut corners, you know. And, and I find a way to try to build a future and try to, try to stay optimistic. I try to work on being a better person every day. I know that sounds very cliche-ish, but I, I try to exercise. I do martial arts. I go running. I try to make my health better. If I go on vacation, I try to come back healthier instead of worse. I try to watch my diet. I try to watch movies, and even movies that I'm crying in, I try to find out what I learned from it. You know, if there's a death, you know, death is one of the top five stressful factors. Um, if somebody dies that's close to me, I try to, I try to find out what I learned from that person when they were alive. So that way their, their life had some type of meaning, some type of value to it, as opposed to just another lost life. So that, that's the way I cope with it. That's the way I deal with our everyday economic problems is that I try to find a way to make more money, try to get more stability, try to get healthier, try to maintain my diet. And, you know, it's just because then there's hope. You know, instead of me just laying on the couch and, you know, eating a bag of chips and, and not really doing anything about my health and not exercising and complaining, I, I find a way to try to make it better, take action. Yeah, that's that's awesome, Dad. That really does bring it home for all of us. I, regardless of what your fear is, taking some action and trying to improve yourself is is great. Whether you're just starting in business or just thinking to get of getting in business or wondering how can I be better at what I do by taking time for yourself, recharging your own way. That I, I think that is really awesome advice. So. Bernie, I'm going to let you ask the ma the last magic question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I completely agree with what you just said right there in recapping that, Phil. Thank you. And I would just want to add one more thing. I, you, gosh, you couldn't have brought it more home than that, Dad, because we started the conversation talking about the death of our mutual friend, Eugene. And what you just said right there was being able to find hope again and the silver lining in tragic things that potentially could happen, such as death. And I think we've discovered the silver lining story today in this specific situation with Eugene and, and you and myself. And I think when we get off the call, you'll go back to your room, I'll go back to mine, and we'll think about even more connections that Eugene helped us make and how much better he made our lives. And so that gives me hope, even more so than I ever thought before. Uh, so thank you for that, Dad. And, uh yes. Finally, I'm not going to assume everybody knows who you are, but most people I talk to usually do. But uh, where's the best place for people to find you? 
Online, there's dafan.com, uh, Facebook, Comedian Dafan, or my fan page, and uh, I'll find you when you find me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as dat underscore fan. Um, I'm more, I'm not so much a Twitter guy, even though I'm on it. I'm more so an Instagram guy, and I'm, I'm a huge Facebook guy, so I'm, I'm on both of those a lot, connected through my phone. So uh, I think I have like 25,000 people that I communicate on a weekly basis through those, uh, through those different avenues. So, um, and then that'll tell you when my shows come up. I have Vegas coming up soon, Hawaii, Philippines, Guam. I have three movies coming out, Hungover Games, also Saki Bomb, and also a third movie that's in negotiation right now. So, uh, a lot of a lot of fun stuff coming out for all of us. Yeah, know? yeah, you're you're such an underachiever, my gosh. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Dad. I'm blown away by you every single time I, I talk to you and I learn more about you, and I'm so happy to call you friend now. But uh, thank you for being on our show today. We really appreciate it. Likewise, and thank you both so much. It's an honor to be on your show, so thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being so freely freely sharing of all that you have, Dad. I know that sometimes things can feel depressing, but like you said, man, if we can take a lesson from everybody that we come in contact with, man, we have an opportunity to make a great life. So thank you for helping us shut up and make today a better day. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Anytime. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Shut Up Show. And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, go on to our website at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.